Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to extend an invite to our new Collaboration Zone Zoom call starting July 1st, running every second week. This is a free Zoom chat get together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we get to share mind and business growth tips and strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Just head on over to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey guys, thank you for joining me on another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. Super grateful you're here and super excited with all the things that are starting to come together and the exciting news that I'm going to be able to share with you all shortly. As you know, one of the uh, new exciting platforms I've been talking about is the Collaboration Zone calls. These are going to be Zoom calls that happen every other week starting July 1st. And this is really an area of collaboration, right? We open it up with 10 minutes of training. I'm going to be really talking about the science of beliefs, mindset, uh, neuroplasticity, emotional intelligence. So all areas in which us as entrepreneurs tend to struggle from time to time. So we're going to give some exercises, how we can help with that. And then during the main part of the call, we're going to do a speed connection round. That gives you a chance to introduce yourself, who you are, what kind of services you provide, and you can ask for any connections, favors, or feedback from the rest of the group. So Hopefully this will allow you to connect with some people that can help you better your own skills, maybe help you out in an area that uh, you're looking to expand your business in, but it's really just an area, a safe place of connection, collaboration, and community. And of course, at the end of those calls, we're gonna do a quick 10 minute either hot seat. These are voluntary only. You don't get put on the spot if you're not up to it, but this really allows you to kind of ask the group, hey, this is an area I'm struggling in right now, or this is something I'm trying to get done, but I really could use some feedback or advice. And because everybody's got their own areas of expertise and chances are somebody in the group's already created what you're trying to do. Uh, The group can give you some feedback. We also have member training where one of our members will be in the spotlight and you get to share your gift, your skills. Uh, These are also going to be recorded, which is really excited. So they will be uploaded as podcast episodes. So make sure you show up as your best. You can sign up for the very first or any of the calls after that. I've rotated time zones to make sure that everybody can attend. 
You can find the link at www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. Of course, the link will be in the show notes. So I hope that you can join us there and make sure you tell your friends about it. So let's get into today's episode where I interview Heather Thatcher. She is the founder of the Solopreneur Survival Guide, also host of the Ultimate Life Survival Guide podcast. I believe she's got actually a number of podcasts, so we chat about that. She used to be an ICU RN, and after working such long hours, she was hit with a limiting disability that changed everything for her. So we talk about that, we talk about her recovery, and we also talk about the types of social media content you should be posting to engage your audience. So let's get into today's show. Hey everyone, I'm hanging out with my friend Heather Thatcher, who is the host of the Ultimate Life Survival Guide podcast and founder of the Solarpreneur Survival Guide, plus a couple more podcasts, but we'll focus on those for right now. How are you doing, Heather? I'm so good. Thank you for having me here. So why don't you tell us about yourself and kind of what it is you do today? Absolutely. So I was originally an ICU nurse. I worked there for nearly a decade. And what I was noticing was a lot of the reasons people came into the ICU were because of illnesses and diseases that could be linked to chronic stress. And so I knew I wanted to get out of the reactive side of medicine and into the proactive side. And so I started creating my first business around that space, the stress and trauma healing, covert grief processing, all of those things. And then after a number of people went through my mindset reboot program, they wanted to start their own online business. And so they asked if I could show them how to do that. And so that's where the solopreneur survival guide started was shortly after that. But what really changed for me was at, it was Christmas morning, 2018. I just felt awful all of a sudden it came out of the blue and I went from working full-time 12 hour shift work and running a business and a half on the side to sleeping 20 hours a day. And I had no idea what happened. It's just like my body gave up on me. And so it was this long journey of discovery and processing that covert grief and acceptance, finally coming to true acceptance because the process for grief looks different for trauma survivors. So there's like a whole lot of processing that had to happen in there. And so now I am learning to find the right balance for my body in this new environment while running these businesses. Wow. So what did that recovery period look like? Because that's a huge transition going from an ICUN, sorry, ICURN working 12 hours a day to having this completely limiting disability you know, what did recovery look like for you? How did you get that going? Like, what did that journey look like? So it was like, so in hindsight, when I look back at part of it, and that's when I realized like, oh, this is grief. Cause I looked back and saw, I saw denial. Mm -hmm. I saw bargaining. I saw depression. And what I was missing was anger. And I was like, interesting. Cause I am like the curious scientist in here was just like, why did we skip that part? And then I started to do a little bit more digging and researching and learning and realized that for survivors of trauma, people with complex PTSD were scared of anger because anger was shown to be an unsafe emotion. And so we avoid it. So in our stages of grief, we don't go denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. We go denial, bargaining, depression slash shutting down, numb dissociation, which is what we think acceptance is. 
And then truly to get to full embodied compassionate acceptance, we need to get angry first. And so it was not too long ago that I finally got into a space where I'm like, okay, let's sit down and see what anger looks like in this space. Let's create a safe environment for us to process that. And that's where instead of trying to see this disability as something that I want to get rid of, I've been able to bring it in and hold space for compassion for it. And I know that sounds wacky. Like, why would you like something and show something compassion that makes you feel like you've got the flu all the time, that limits you to three hours a day of activity, that makes you have your brain go foggy and you can't even remember something simple like dishwasher. So like, why would you want to show that compassion? But really the only way out is through and all of these things, your addiction, your trauma, your grief, those are all a part of you. And all of you deserves that all-encompassing love. So did, you know, you talk about trauma, right? And how, having to overcome that. Where did that come from? Did that start as a, in, in childhood or? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I've had multiple uh, groupings of complex trauma that have led to complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. Some of them are childhood experiences. Some of them are Uh, experiences involved in organized religion, and then also as a registered nurse in an ICU. You can't work in a place like that and not have a little bit of complex trauma that builds. Absolutely. So were there times in your recovery journey that you felt like giving up that you're like, I don't know if I can do this? Absolutely. Oh, yes. There are so many times. And then like lots of, lots of just questioning to be like, was I Hitler in another life? Like, what did I deserve this for? And then every time as life keeps knocking you down, you just keep like getting a little heavier. You still stand up, but it's just a little bit harder each time. And this last one was definitely needed a lot of self-reflection in order to be able to stand back up again. Wasn't easy. Not going to lie. No, it never is. And I felt the same way, right? Like even when I built that solid foundation after overcoming addiction, it took a lot of work to build that groundwork. And like you said, like I was filled with so much anger and so much resentment and I didn't realize it. Like I remember doing exercise thinking, you know, I was asked, who are you resentful towards? And I could create a list like five pages long and it was no problem. And then when I had to look at you know, what was my part in there? How am I going to forgive? How am I going to let this go? Like I had to feel these emotions. Like I had spent 25 years doing things to mask those emotions. So essentially Mm -hmm. I was only 14 years old when I got sober because that's when I started drinking. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was a lot of work. And you know, what kind of work did you do to really overcome this stuff? Like this, you know, the the limiting beliefs or the trauma. So a lot of that a lot of what you said is so true for so many people. We're taught to push through, to ignore, to keep going, to numb out using different methods. And so for me, the the way that I grew up, it was always like your value as a human is based on how much you can achieve. So if you're starting to feel like you're not enough, do more, keep going. And so the biggest struggle for me was when my body said no, and all of a sudden I couldn't do more. I had to redefine who I was. I had to redefine what resilience looked like, what worth looked like, because all of those things were taken from me. I didn't see that anymore. So what you have to do, what I had to do, and what I lead other people through is this process of going back to 
the origin story for where that self-talk pattern came from. And so you figure out where that is and start to look at the key players that influenced it, write your letter of grief, your grief letter, and then which also needs to have some anger in it. Because we need to be able to say what we need to say to those people that we wish we could have had the courage to say back when we were 14, back when we were five or three, whenever these memories have really stemmed from. And then to also create space from that belief system, because you are not your thoughts, you are the thinker of your thoughts. So the best example that I can think of for this is if you were to step into a bath bath full of ice water, you could say to yourself, oh, the water's warm, the water's warm, the water's warm. And your brain would be like, uh, no, it's freaking freezing, not warm at all. So the part of you that says, uh, no, that is who you are. You are not the thought. You are this other part of you that can see the big picture. And so what we need to do first and foremost is reconnect to that objective observer within to be able to notice without getting caught up in that emotional freak train. <laughs> And that can be a freight train. I mean, I know that when I have certain thoughts, I I can run with it. And I'm like, listen, okay, no, no, I don't have to think this way. So you got to shift out of that fairly quick. Now, being an entrepreneur obviously is not easy, right? And I love to, I love to help people discover their purpose out of their adversity, right? Because I believe that that experience And if we can use that experience and kind of harness that energy that, because let's be honest, a lot of people who are in addiction, they use a ton of energy to get loaded. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us use a lot of energy to eat the foods that we don't, you know, we'll drive to the store in the middle of the night to go pick up that food that we're having that craving for. Like it go, it, it's all sorts. Um, But you now have two thriving businesses, right? How did like early entrepreneurship, I know, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. What did that look like for you? So the biggest mistake that I made at the very beginning was to try and be everywhere without a plan. Because you just see all these different options. You're just like, oh, but my audience is over here. They're over here. They're over here. Like, I need to do all these things. And you see, like, new things pop up. Like, ooh, could I do a summit? Ooh, should I do this networking and Facebook groups? Ooh, should I join this other online community? Should I join this new social media platform? And it was just like, oh. And while I was working 12-hour shift work, good luck with that. So that's where the ICU nurse in me was just like, no, no, we need systems systems friend it's what's going to save this and so i saw so much research out there and so many suggestions that were about repurposing content but all of the strategies were for people that have a team because they're just like you know record the podcast episode and then break it up into smaller pieces like listen through try and find your minute chunks and i don't know if you've ever done that friend but it takes for freaking ever to try and find something good in that big piece so Instead of trying to repurpose it after, one of the biggest things that you can do is plan how you're going to repurpose it before you make it. So a couple examples of this. If you're going to be writing a social media caption, write that caption so it's about 200 words. That'll take you about a minute to read. It's also a really good length for um, an email. If you don't really have a whole lot going on that week, you can just grab one of your favorite captions and throw that on. But having your captions to be about a minute to read means that you can easily have a daily podcast without having to create much else. Because then you can just use that caption 
read it, have it be a 60 second daily podcast that can also be an Alexa briefing, which is a really new underutilized platform for marketers. And then now you're able to be on email, social media, and your daily podcast and Alexa briefing all with one piece of content. Wow. Like I'm, I'm just writing down notes. I've never heard of Alexa <laughs> briefing. So I'm like, I got to try that now. Social media, because you mentioned social media. So I want to touch on this a little bit more. But I know that a lot of people who are getting going, you know, uh, you know, working through the algorithms because everything keeps changing. But like what kinds of content should people be posting if they're trying to grow their business and, and get attention on social media? Great question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about actually is what to post to social media. Because yes. people say like, be consistent, provide value. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And so actually one of the, like the foundational marketing strategy that I use, the framework that I use is actually based on the trans theoretical model of change, which is a medical model to help people overcome addiction. And so what you have to do is meet your people at the right phase if they're ready to do something about their problem, which is when they're ready to buy from you to fix whatever it is that you're trying to sell. So the five stages are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. And so on social media, you're meeting people in pre-contemplation and contemplation. So the best content to give people that are like either head in the sand, don't even realize that they have a problem, or realize that there's a problem, but not necessarily how big a problem it is or how easy it could be to fix. What you need to do for those people on social media is help them realize the, the consequences of staying stuck, why they don't wanna stay stuck and what's possible for them. And so if you're sharing those kinds of pieces that compare and contrast where they are right now in the thick of it, what beautiful possibilities out there for them and then give them a simple four-part framework that's going to bring them to that point that'll really help you and so the four-part framework i call they're your pillars so if you think about it for your ideal person what four things do they need to accomplish to be able to go from struggling avatar wherever they are right now to their dreamy future vision what four things and so for entrepreneurs you need to clarify your messaging you need to streamline your content creation process. You need to attract your audience and you need to have a repeatable launch system. If you have those four things, you're gonna be good. So on social media, aside from helping people assess that they don't wanna stay stuck, teach about what your four pillars are and why they're important, because then you're going to be attacking both sides of their buying brain. You're gonna be attacking the emotional side that can see you know, beautiful possibility and that you understand where they're staying stuck, but then also their logic brain that says like, oh yeah, they've got a simple logical step-by-step -step framework that's gonna get me what I want. So you're gonna have both sides of their brain coming to you, credit card in hand being like, I hope I can afford this instead of getting on a sales call and being like, sell to me, tell me why I need this. Cause you've already done all that work. Social media has already done that for you. Absolutely. and. Is there, you know, with the consistency aspect, because I've heard the same thing. It's like, be consistent, have your message kind of thing. Is there, and is there such thing as overdoing it? Like, is there stuff you recommend, like in terms of consistency? So ideally, I would recommend posting one a day mm -hmm. to Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And so you can rotate between your four pillars. 
So teaching about what they are, why they're important, one of those a week, Mm -hmm. something that speaks to where they're struggling and help them realize that they don't want to stay stuck, something that empowers them to let them know what's possible. And then the last one is a reflection question. And so that'll not only help them really understand that they don't want to stay stuck, but also help you write your sales copy for your emails and for your webpage. So if you have those things, and then because you're creating them so specific around your solid messaging, you can create an evergreen social media system. So for my businesses, the social media that you're seeing is created for an entire year and then it just cycles through. So I never have to worry about what to post to social media because my social media scheduler grabs a post for the day and out it goes. And I know that it'll always speak to my messaging because I've spent that much work like narrowing it in to get started. And you know what, I've done that too. I've started scheduling in advance, knowing what content that I'm going to be posting because it becomes so much more manageable. Mm Because if you have to do it every day or every other day, it's like, it becomes overwhelming. Absolutely. And so that's where too, like if you create it so that it could go out on evergreen, which means that it will be as applicable now as it will be in a year, that means that that hard work that you're putting into creating social media now will just be a one and done. And then you can focus on other things. And so that's how you can start to expand and be in other places. Because once you're not spending an hour or two or maybe more on social media every week, you can now spend an hour or two getting out on stories, networking in Facebook groups, building out a summit, different things like that, that you can now have more freedom for. So as a solo entrepreneur, planning to see like, not only what can I, how can I repurpose this to make it work in more ways, but how many things can I evergreen? So Mm -hmm. that way I can free myself up to do more things. So what are the three biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to, you know, social media? So the first thing is they don't talk about their business enough. We're all scared to sound like the, hey, I'm looking for 10 people ready to change their life. Sign up for me. And so when you have your pillar system, you can actually talk about it in a conversational coffee conversation kind of way, rather than the schmarmy salesperson kind of way. So for example, I can be talking about on social media, how important it is to really understand your customer's journey from where they're struggling in to where they need to go and what they what they really want. And that's pillar one of the Solopreneur Survival Guide Framework. So I'm not saying I have a program that teaches you how to understand your customer journey. I'm just talking about it in a gentle way. So that's a really easy way to talk about your business. Uh, another thing that people do is they give away too much how-to content, mm-hmm. the wrong kind of how-to content. Because we often go into business to help solve a problem. But the thing is, the how-to content is aimed at the action part of that five-part framework. So again, it was pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. And so action how-to content is really fun. People are going to download the heck out of it, and it's going to collect digital dust on your computer. If you think about this in another industry, a really well-known industry, the health and wellness industry, Mm -hmm. there is a ton of free workout videos on YouTube, a ton of free meal plans out there that you can download, yet the obesity epidemic is still a massive thing because we aren't ready to take action on that yet. So if your social media is busy handing out meal plans and workout videos, you're going to be giving out the wrong thing that's not going to convert people into the buying customer need to help them realize that they want to change. And your social media is a great place to do that. 
And so then the last thing that people do is they try and be everywhere without a plan. And so we've talked about a lot of those strategies for how to mitigate that. But yeah, those are the top three. Awesome. Now you have four podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Yes. I mean, for me to run one right now is challenging. But let's talk about, you know, you have the Ultimate Life Survival Guide podcast. You know, kind of what inspired you to start that? Was that part of, you know, everything you went through as an RN or? Uh, Yes, it's a part of it. Um, this is the second reboot of it. The first one, I had called it something different and kind of moved around because the, the audience that I was attracting wasn't quite right. So now that we've reset it, now we're all good. But this was mainly to help people that uh, were dealing with a lot of stress that had some complex trauma from their past that didn't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. And so it was just staying stuck in their body. And this isn't just like woo woo, like, oh yeah, you're holding your emotions, generational trauma. This is this is true. Science really can dig into it and show a lot of information about how when we don't process a stressful experience, that level of stress hormones, the cortisol, the adrenaline just gets a little bit higher. And then our body notices that as normal. And then it gets a little bit higher and our body notices that as normal. So this podcast is really centered around beginning strategies to help you recognize that this is what you're doing and that you don't want to stay stuck because I absolutely practice what I preach. So the podcast is also in the contemplation preparation kind of level. Right. And what is your favorite podcast? Like, I, cause you, you have the solopreneur survival guide too. And I know I'm on both sides. Like I love the health aspect and I love practicing that part of it, but I also love this entrepreneur journey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, somebody asked me that question the other day, which which one lights me up more? And they light me up for different reasons. So I think, like, especially when the pandemic hit, the ICU nurse in me was just like, well, what do I do? I'm used to being in the ICU through H1N1, through SARS. Like, I've been through these kinds of things before. And I was just like, wait, I'm out. Now what do I do? So the the Ultimate Life Survival Guide podcast really helps attached to that, like the compassionate side, the like healer within me, but then the like super nerdy ICU brain that loves numbers and research and things, the entrepreneur side of that really brings that part of me in. So it's like the the most perfect balance I could have created for myself. I'm really grateful. And does it allow you to create this just really well-rounded, balanced routine for yourself? Because you talked about, you know, practicing what you preach. And I love doing the same thing. I mean, if I'm stumbling, I'm not afraid to admit to my audience, you know what? I just binged out on some food that I hadn't planned on, but I'm going to own that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. does it allow you to do that just having so many different aspects? Absolutely. I really think so. It It just allows for so much more exploration, I think. The curious scientist in me likes to explore all the different ways. But then also, this is another thing that you can do as an entrepreneur. When people say, like, choose your niche, it can feel really limiting. You'd be like, oh, I'm like ignoring all these other people. But the truth is, there's a big difference between a niche topic and a niche demographic. So for me, the niche topic that I have is helping people overcome their stress at the source, which is often people pleasing and their inner critic entrepreneurs need that too. So both businesses feed into the same higher ticket program, the group coaching program, which is my mindset reboot, because both groups need help with those things. It's just that the preparation level offer is different because people need different help to get to that point where they're ready to tackle their inner critic. 
So just because you've chosen your first demographic to target doesn't mean that once you've got a handle on that, that you can't open it up to another demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what? It, you said something that just triggered the word imposter syndrome for me because mm-hmm. I, I know that it's a big topic right now. And yes. I struggled too because I was like, well, who am I to talk about this? And then I'm like, wait a minute, I've had 20 plus years of addiction. Like, you know, I have some education in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so imposter syndrome, the truth of it is it's a protective mechanism because we know what our life looks like right now. That's safe. We're surviving. So even if what we want to do is going to help us and help others like what you're doing, our inner protective mechanisms are going to be like, no, we don't know what that looks like. And they're going to run around and push all the panic buttons in our brain and ramp up our stress response and then say everything they can think of to make us stop. And so that's, again, coming back to you are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. So think of your imposter syndrome, your inner critic, as a department manager. And so you're the CEO of your life and your business. And so the different departments can bring information to you and you'll take it all in and decide important, not important, be able to let it go. Because once you've created that relationship between that inner protective mechanism, their voice becomes a lot less scary, a lot less nasty. And so now my imposter syndrome and inner critic just brings information to me to be like, hey, have you considered this? And sometimes I'll be like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Hold on, let's look at that first. And other times it'll be like, nah, it's okay. I think we're good. So to have that distance and that relationship change is huge, huge. Yeah, that's great advice. And you know, I that's the one difference I have now that I did before is that even when that voice starts to kind of creep up in my head, I don't let that stop me because I'm so focused on what it is I want to do and what my Mm -hmm. purpose is. And I love getting out of bed every morning to do it. And even when I'm like, get out of here. Like, I don't need to hear from you today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, that's so perfect. So you've already created that distance where they'll be able to bring up their feedback and you're just like, eh, we're good. We'll leave that. And I think that's what a lot of people, they need to realize when they come into this journey is that it's not perfect. It's Mm -mm. bumpy. It's messy. But if you love what you're doing, I find it a lot easier to push through the stress when I get tired Mm -hmm. because there's times where it almost just turned into an addiction for me sometimes, you know, where I have Mm -hmm. to kind of step back and go, okay, now I need to do that self-care again. But I want to keep going. I want to keep doing it because it's just when you find your purpose, you're just so compelled to move forward with this stuff. Mm -hmm. I agree. Do you feel the same way when you're doing your podcast and you're helping people? Absolutely. And so that was that's some of the biggest struggle for me when I got sick was because I was good. I was doing the 12 hour shift work. Plus like I would come home after a night shift and record a couple of podcast episodes and then go to bed and get up and go back to work a couple hours later. So to be able to find this new balance for what my body is telling me is balance has been really tricky because absolutely that whole, that whole drive to keep doing it, to feel that sort of work addiction because you love it so much and it's so important to you. Absolutely still working to find that balance because my illness is so unpredictable. So some days it'll be like, yeah, let's do it. And other days it's just like, this is a bad day. We stay in bed today. And I'm like, oh, but I have stuff to do. So it's a balance. 
And that's why you got to keep organized. So you mentioned your mindset reboot workshop. Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit and what that is? Yeah, for sure. So it's a, a program, it's a 12-week program that opens up twice a year. And it's a group program because a lot of us feel like we're alone, that we're the only one that had uh, these kinds of beliefs instilled on us growing up. And we're the only people that still feel this way as an adult or that still struggle with this thing that nobody else seems to struggle with. So that's why it's a group, because we need to know that there's a lot of freedom in knowing that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So in that program, we work through creating that distance between the imposter syndrome and the true self, and then working through understanding where the beliefs came from, rewriting them. So that way you don't have those triggers as deeply rooted as they were before. So that's really what it is. It's about reprogramming and redefining who you are, despite your past and deciding how you're going to take that on moving forward. So that's really what that focus is. But not everybody's ready to do that right away. That's true. That's very true. And I think mindset is such a key aspect because I know in early recovery, I was so focused on building that foundation. And then I went into probably five, six years of complacency where I was just settling and just trying to be grateful for the life that I had been given. But I always felt like there was something more. I just didn't know how to achieve it. And when I finally thought, okay, I keep hearing about mindset. I keep hearing about mindset. And that's when I started to do the self-analysis and I started to actually look into what do I need to get from where I am today to where it is I want to go? What do I need to open that door to go, actually, this is possible. I can Mm -hmm. achieve this stuff. So mindset is huge. Absolutely. And often we try and create our goals based on who we are right now. And we actually really need to think ahead for after I've achieved that, who am I? What do I look like? What habits do I have? How do I treat myself? What do I delegate to others? And then look for ways to start doing that now. Start being that person now because we are 95% of our day on habits. That's just the way that it goes. So we have to be able to create the habits that we actually want and that we're going to have down the road and have those built in now because that shifts everything. It's the difference between like if somebody wanted to quit smoking and somebody was really doing well, they were, you know, being okay. And then they went out with some friends and their friends were just like, Hey, do you want a cigarette? Normally you would say, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. But if you've already shifted into that future person with the future habits, you're going to say, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker. Mm-hmm. And then you no longer need willpower to avoid that cigarette because non-smokers don't smoke. So when you're thinking about the future CEO of your business that you want to become, what do you, what it, is your job versus what somebody else's job. And so then when you're looking at those things, especially at the beginning, look for ways to automate those things that are somebody else's job. So that way you can really free yourself up to really be as much of that future CEO as possible. Mm -hmm. That is some absolutely phenomenal (laughs) advice on there. (laughs) So if people wanna learn more about you, where can they get a hold of you? So you can find me on Instagram, Uh, If you're looking for more mindset kind of things, then that's what the ultimate life survival guide is all about. So you can find me at the ultimate life survival guide.com, or you can also go to on Instagram at the ultimate life survival guide. If you're looking for 
uh, information on how to build a business, I've created a podcast. It's one of the podcasts um, and it's called the Solopreneur Survival Guide. It's the podcast that I wish existed when I started my business. It's a full business course with each season being like a module of a course. And it walks you through everything from messaging to website builds, to email lists, to social media, to launches. So everything is all encompassed in there. So that would be recommended. That's where I would recommend you start. So it's the Solopreneur Survival Guide. And you can also find me on Instagram with that same name. Thank you so much for being on the show today. There's so many little nuggets. I even wrote a whole bunch of notes down, but I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share and serve with your audience. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It is always so great to connect with amazing people from all around the world. Uh, you know, when I originally started this journey, it was mostly in North America, and it's just amazing how much it's expanded and how many people out there just want to share their story and make a difference in the world. So I really recommend if you're somebody that's thought about creating a podcast, you know, maybe it's an idea or maybe you have an idea, but you just haven't taken the plunge. It is so awesome. You got to do it. So uh, I definitely have some connections for you. Um, so reach out, I can hook you up, uh, get you all learned up. And uh, yeah, anyway, guys, if you haven't signed up for our Collaboration Zone Zoom call starting July 1st, make sure you do so. You can head on over to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.